Hey everybody, welcome back to the Science Fictionary Podcast. I'm David, and I'm joined tonight by Andrew. What's up, everybody? And Marisha. How's it going? And obviously we're way late to the Guardians train, but we're going to give our review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. We're going to give our thoughts. There's a lot to talk about with this one, unlike the previous few Marvel films, I feel like. Like, I feel like whenever we went to review Love and Thunder and... um even multiverse of madness we were kind of like talked for like 30 minutes about it and then we were kind of done i feel like that won't necessarily be the case here because there, there's a lot going on with this movie and there's a lot of implications about uh the future of marvel and it all relates to james gunn and the future of dc even so i feel like there's a lot of paths we're going to take from this also just from what i gathered i think that this is all three of our favorite Marvel movie in a long time. Yeah. So just being excited about, it, we have more to talk about. Um, so we're going to jump into that. Uh, Andrew and Marisha, whichever you, one of you guys want to start first, what'd y'all think about guardians of the galaxy volume three? Generally, we'll give our general thoughts and then I'll try to go yeah. through the movie in a bit more of a systematic fashion. Awesome. Uh, so I, I do think that it is, I think it's the best movie uh, since Endgame. I mean, I like Spider-Man. Spider-Man's way up there for me. Um, I, I, I appreciate I appreciate a lot of what's in this movie a little more than that. I think this is the final piece of what may be the best trilogy. I, well, so not maybe not technically, but the, the the truest trilogy in the MCU. What do you mean by by truest trilogy? Because because I have a lot of trouble calling Captain America a trilogy because that third movie is just an Avengers. <laughs> That's fair enough. That's fair enough. I totally get what you mean there. At the same time though, I would say that that third movie, it does, you know, there are some specific scenes that call back to Captain America in particular that make it a good trilogy for, but I yeah. see your point. Like there's a, okay. The Captain America trilogy has a solid, first two movies in it and then a solid 30 minutes from civil war mm-hmm. is like the captain america trilogy yeah and, and and don't get me wrong i mean i ran a poll about this on the twitter page and overwhelmingly people said captain america and so i'm not going to argue against it because i certainly understand and if we just want to be real technical about it captain america is the best trilogy in the mcu it's just that that third movie had the benefit of basically having everybody in yeah. You know, and, and this one, but this is a really, really great, pure three-act trilogy. It is. I'd say it's a little bit muffled by fitting in Infinity War and Endgame in between two and three there. Like, yeah. I don't know. I didn't have, I, I didn't talk to anybody who, like, didn't see Infinity War or, or Endgame who That's saw this. Problem. But I would imagine it'd be very difficult to go from one to two. And then to three, like if you're just a Guardians fan to not see Infinity War and Endgame, I feel like you'd probably be very confused. Yeah, no, that is fair because uh, Infinity War and Endgame do kind of do some uh, odd things, particularly you know, with Gamora in particular. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's a, definitely a valid thing where I, and it's, the problem would be finding someone who's only watched the Guardians movies. But I actually would be really interested in hearing the perspective of someone who never saw Infinity War and Endgame. It's just I don't know where you find that person. 
Yeah, maybe somebody's grandmother or something who's like really just really Chris Pratt. Yeah. Um, Marisha, what were your thought, general thoughts on uh, a Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three? Oh, I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was a really nice balance between the humor and the action and the heart. Um, and I feel like when Marvel is at its best, it balances those things very well. Um, you know, the story was was solid and, you know, it was funny when it needed to be. And it was, you know, we had a little bit of pathos when we needed it. And, you know, it had, it, it, it was, it was all the best things about a Marvel movie, I think. That's a great way of putting it. I agree that it's the best since Endgame. You know, there's No Way Home. And I. the more I think about Spider-Man No Way Home, the more I feel like if you took out the Andrew and Toby stuff, I'd still like the movie, but I wouldn't be thinking of it in the same way that I think of something like Infinity War or, or Endgame. This oh, absolutely. movie. Absolutely. Nostalgia. They yeah. totally went all in on this nostalgia. And I'm the target demographic for that. And I loved it. But when you have Guardians of the Galaxy 3, it doesn't need any of that at all to be successful in its right. storytelling. It is about these characters we've had since day one. The only new characters they introduced were like, you know, the villain and Adam Warlock, really. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's it is a really, really great trilogy and a great wrap up to this trilogy while also leaving the door open for more to come. But you can like happily say this is the final Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, we're spoiling this whole movie. Uh, if you every, somehow every haven't seen it, it's all yeah. being spoiled. Um, I say left the door open because obviously at the end of the movie, there was the big, um, the legendary Star War Star Lord will return. Right. Which is a really fancy way of saying Chris Pratt is under contract. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> everybody, all of the Guardians have said, I'm done when James leaves. Yeah. And I feel like Chris Pratt might feel the same way, but they got him. They might have him wrapped in for some more, or, or maybe they yeah. convinced them with another deal. I don't know. But I am ha- I'm happy to know that at least a piece of these movies is going to continue on. Mm-hmm. That does make me very happy to know that. Yeah. But oh. like that, be, that being said, what I, I just come around to say is this is a great wrap up to the trilogy that finished a lot of the characters' arcs, solidified them as a family, and and put them all towards their next step in life. And mm-hmm. it's a great ending to a trilogy because it's the ending to this particular story, but all of the characters still have a lot of life left to live. And they clearly show that. And I think, you know, it helps us feel like these characters are living, breathing characters that are going to continue on long after us. Even if we're not watching movies about them, we know that Mantis goes off on her adventure and Nebula and Drax are now raising these kids and, and, and so on and so forth. And it's really, really great character writing. I'm sorry, Marisha, you, you were about to jump in. Oh no. Um, I wanted, I wanted to let you kind of finish what you what you were talking about, but I, I do have a thought on the whole kind of what comes next thing. So, like you said, a lot of them made it very clear that they weren't interested in a Guardians of the Galaxy movie, 
that didn't involve James Gunn, but also Disney had just fired James Gunn at, at that time. Um, so I wonder if he might be a little more receptive to coming back for like a team up, you know, some other, you know, coming back, maybe being part of the Avengers. Um, now that James Gunn has left of his own volition, I, I almost kind of felt like it was as much of a camaraderie thing as, as like, no, I'm not coming back for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Whenever you fired our director, you're bringing someone else in. You're talking about Dave, Dave Bautista? Or no, uh, Chris Pratt specifically. Oh, I mean, Chris Pratt, I don't think Chris Pratt has any intention of going anywhere. Well, I, I mean, I think Chris Pratt is potentially poised to be one of the major characters in the MCU for the next couple of phases. You know, we kind of specifically, he was specifically talking about how a lot of people, they all pretty much came out and said, no, not doing it without James Gunn. But I, I kind of uh, wondered yeah. if that wasn't as much like, no, I never want to be in a Marvel movie without James Gunn, or no, I'm not making this Marvel movie without James Gunn. Which that's I mean, a good totally point. worked. I think know? that I, I could see it like that's a good point that at the time they were saying we're not doing it without James Gunn. Now that I think about it, what really they've been saying is I'll go wherever James goes, meaning they will do DC movies, right. but that does still leave the door open of like with James blessing, I will continue to do a Marvel movie. Right. But you know, I've, I've thought about it this as well. Um, you don't need Vin Diesel back to keep doing Groot. You don't. Even if you wanted to keep paying him for the voice, you've got enough recordings of him saying I am Groot, mm -hmm. except for now they ended this movie with now the audience can hear Groot, but other than that, still, you don't need Vin Diesel. Rocket Raccoon, you could just hire somebody who sounds like Bradley Cooper, to be honest, That's and get somebody else. Do. Yeah, and get somebody else to do the motion capture. Like, it doesn't have to be Bradley Cooper and Sean Gunn to continue Rocket Raccoon. I would hate that. I would love it for it to, to continue to be Bradley Cooper, but I'm just saying you don't need it, you know? Um, right. Star Lord, we know he's coming back. So then that leaves. Dave Batista and and Nebula, um, Karen Karen Gillan, and Dave Batista is really the only one who's like, like hardcore. Um, on James's back, like that is his best freaking friend. It um, is, but at the same time, Batista has basically said he doesn't want to do comic book movies anymore. So he has know, said that, but I also feel like he would definitely do a DC thing for James. Uh, that's very possible. It, it's it's kind of interesting because at some point he decided that he wanted to be a serious actor. And it's like, I, I don't know that you got the chops to be that, but you are fun in certain roles. So I don't know. It may be that he spends a little while trying to be the serious actor and finds his way back to doing things that he's good at. You know, there's a lot of actors that, I mean, even Harrison Ford went through a phase where he was, like, not taking the pulpy roles anymore. And then his career, look where his career came back around to when he started feeling nostalgia for, mm -hmm. you know. Indiana Jones and Star Wars. Yeah, so. And the paychecks he used to get for Indiana Yeah, Jones I mean, I can Star see Wars. him coming back. I think that uh, Zoe Saldana is done with, I don't think she has any in interest in coming back. I mean, she's basically said that, She's oh, done yeah. with this. She's definitely said she's done with this role, and and that's fine. You don't. They wrote it in a way that you don't really need her to come back. I, I think was the really main one with Gamora. Yeah, I mean, I, that's the thing is, I was really, really satisfied with everybody's. Honestly, I was even satisfied with Star Lords that they had like left it at that. 
he goes full circle. Mm-hmm. Full circle if they had left it. But I think it's cool to let the door because, you know, it's kind of makes sense. Like, he's back on Earth now. Right. What happens when, you know, an earthly attack or something happens? And Well, some people have pointed out, I don't, it might have been, I don't know if it was New Rockstars or Screen Crush, uh, we're actually talking about, you know, nobody has acknowledged this this giant creature emerging from the ocean, the celestial, uh, in the MCU. Nobody's acknowledged the fact that that's there yet. And somebody made the point that they, that may not have happened yet. Yeah, we don't really know when Eternals takes place. And but, oh, not they, even no, not even to mention the not even like the ocean thing. At the end of Eternals, a celestial like celestial. shows up like he's God, and right. the whole world looks up at see him. And the most what would be the most horrifying thing to ever happen to anybody ever? Can you yeah. imagine? You walk outside one day and that crap happens. Horrifying. So like, that's yeah. a good point. That might not have happened yet. So, I mean, you could have Star-Lord, a half-celestial. Did they reference it on the Miss Marvel show? Wasn't there, like, a newscast or something? Did they reference it on Miss Marvel? I think on, like, She-Hulk. Now that I think about it, She-Hulk, there was a news article where it was, like, ocean thing. But we don't know when the end credit scene for Eternals happens, necessarily. Yeah. Where the where the big celestial like in the sky right. shows up. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it would be interesting to have uh you know, you've got you've got Star Lord, a half celestial on Earth when that happens could play well into a story. Yeah. Um, and James Gunn has said like, no, he's all of his powers are gone. He's not a celestial. No. But like, you know But James Gunn has no say anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate James Gunn for his like all of his stuff that goes in and that just that is what should whatever he says is what should be canon but the reality is it's that's not how it works anymore yeah to be honest and um and yeah so i yeah i don't know where they'll go with that i mean i've seen a number i mean there is a a star lord solo book by the, you know that's the uh the legendary star lord so yeah there is also comic- that they caught on that at the end right which i didn't know if it was a reference to that comic run or if it's just because that's what he, when we first meet him, yeah, I didn't know if it was enough because everything came full circle, the songs and everything. Mm-hmm. And so it could have just been, you know, he, yeah, when he first introduces himself, when we first see him, he says, I'm the legendary Star Lord. Mm-hmm. Now uh, he actually is. Right. So I didn't know if it was just an acknowledgement of coming for full circle on that or what. But I mean, obviously, like he's on Earth. So we could send him back out into the cosmos. He could be on Earth so that he can be part of whatever the next, maybe he's an Avenger in the next Avengers team up. Or it could be as simple as he shows up in Kang Dynasty. Yeah, to like, there's a big event going on where they need all the help they can get and Star-Lord is compelled to go help. So, yeah. um, I mean, I know there are storylines that could lead to him uh, introducing introducing us to a couple of at least a mutant uh, as they continue to introduce new you know more mutants into the world. He might uh, be on the freaking X Men. Yeah, well, I mean, you not, know, not, you not have, that he's a mutant, but he might like show up in an X Men movie because he's well, hung out he with have the a thing with Kitty Pride. He does. He, that is he does uh, often have a thing with Kitty Pride. In fact, Kitty Pride joined the Guardians for a while. Yeah. So maybe uh, the other way around. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I if they're keeping 
if they intend to make another movie with Chris Pratt, uh, with the money that he's commanding now, like, I mean, they're going to do something big and fun. So I, I'm, I can't wait to see what it is. Um, yeah. So, uh, to, in order to systematically tackle everything we want to talk about in this movie, I figure, uh, the best way to go about that is just talk character by character. Yeah. Um, I and mean, that's then, the thing, like the character arcs for these characters are almost such that you could do a whole show on each character. You really could. So let's see if we can go through each character and then talk miscellaneous and then maybe some criticisms, which I have very few criticisms, but the main character of this movie and in hindsight, this movie is implying that he's been the main character of the trilogy, uh, which I don't think necessarily is the case, but it sort of seems that way. Rocket Raccoon. Mm-hmm. The movie opens with him listening to Creep, which excellent choice for the opening Absolutely. song. It really contrasts with, you know, the last two opening with Mr. Blue Sky and Come and Get Your Love. And right. then it's this one is like, I think this was just, this was an acoust- acoustic version of Creep. This wasn't even like the, maybe I'm misremembering a movie I no, saw. No, no, it's, it's not the it, it's not the original recording. Yeah, um, it's just the acoustic version, so it's even slower, even sadder than the original version of the song. Yeah. Well, and it's a song, like, if you get into it, Marisha and I talked a good bit about this the other day, because I love that song. I, I've always liked that song, and it's a song that's, you know, in a lot of ways about you know, feeling like you don't deserve the good things that are happening to you. You know, you're, you, you're, you're in this place where good things are happening. You are finally happening in your life, but you're not good enough for them. And that's kind of where we find all of our characters at the beginning of this movie. And especially, I mean, and then there's, that's a great observation and in, into the deeper meaning of that song, the more surface observation is literally just rocket, feels like a creep and he doesn't belong here because he was like made in a lab. Like he, and he's always, it's always felt like that from the very first movie. That's been something that was established. So yeah, movie starts with that and rocket. Let's talk about rocket raccoon. Cause that's going to be the biggest one. We see his whole backstory. All of it finally come together. And you know, what's interesting is he's actually out of commission for most of the movie. Yeah. Yet he's still the main character. It's incredible how, how they pulled that off. I definitely got emotional watching all the rocket scenes. Mm-hmm. Whenever he, whenever um, Lila died, I like and just the the yell he lets out. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Absolutely freaking incredible! Yeah, like, was... that was gut wrenching, and, that's and that was just a horrifying I they were scene. Doing that, man, so messed up. I like love with all the advertising and stuff, it was like you kind of felt like they were gonna like reunite. Yeah. So I just kept thinking all the time, like, all right, we're gonna find out why he left them. You know, yeah. like, oh, well, guess we know now. Yeah, I thought they were gonna be alive because in the first Guardians movie, on like it's a little Easter egg that his only known associate is Lila. Yeah. Now, I, I think that in hindsight, that's just a retcon. James Gunn changed his mind. I don't know if he'd admit that he changed his mind. He'd probably come up with some BS way to make it work. Well, no, he'd give you he'd give you some BS like he did with the whole helmet thing. Um, yeah, that okay. That's my critic. I'm uh, okay. I love James Gunn as a writer, as a director. I think that he's excellent. Just own up to the fact 
that you didn't think about the helmet, man. See, I don't know if it was that or the fact that he intentionally broke Quill's helmet in the second movie, and then they went and gave him a helmet again. And uh, when Infinity I did see War. that, I was like, okay, fair enough. Fair and so enough. I, I don't know if that was him just being like, look, I already got rid of this helmet once. That's that's true. That's fair. But you know, like, okay, I watched but the no, Suicide Squad gonna, recently. Yeah. Again, because I was on a James Gunn kick. So th- this movie, I watched the Suicide Squad. And literally, there's a scene where Vigilante, not Vigilante, uh, Bloodsport needs his helmet to not be on. If his helmet was there, it would mess up the scene where in all when the starfish start attaching the faces. So he wrote a scene previously where he smashes into a wall and his helmet breaks. Like he thought, I know he's thinking about helmets, man. That's proof <laughs> that he's thinking about them helmets. Look, it's really not that big of a deal. I really don't care. I honestly just think it's kind of funny. But no, I yeah, mean, no, that was the, the rocket story with Rocket is you know this again going back to that opening song and that that's the rocket we've kind of known all along is this character that he's jaded he's just very he's just very broken uh, all of our characters in this all of the guardians are some degree of broken uh for different reasons his is in some ways it's all of their parents or their creators yeah um you know and his is his is very severe uh, Quills is severe. Nebulas is really severe. This this story they've been kind of hinting in the previous two films about Rocket's story, and I don't know if he knew all of what he wanted to do with that from the start, or if it kind of evolved over time. I mean, it took a lot longer to get these three movies than it was supposed to. This was supposed to be the first or second film of Phase Four. That's a good point because they did fire him for a while, so it kind of just pushed everything back. Right. Um, yeah. No, that's a great point. Um, I definitely think that from the beginning, this movie was planned to be a Rocket Raccoon centered mm-hmm. story. Yeah. And yeah, I think so. I mean, I think at the end of the day, like I think it's, you know, I know it says you know, in the movie that you know Rocket was the main character, and it's like, is it the main character? Or is it like Rocket always felt like he was? just a side character in his own story you know that's i think that a big message of this movie is that you are not a side character as in like the audience he's trying speaking to all of us individually like sometimes in life you feel like a side character like you don't matter like you're off you're the side character in somebody else's story but the point is that you're the main character of your own story and you can set out on your own destiny while still having family and, and friends like the guardians. But the whole time, this your story is your own story and it's always been about you. And you can be the side character and some, you can take a step back for other people to shine. But at the end of the day, whenever your, whenever your time comes to go, it's going to be your story that was written this whole time. Mm-hmm. And I really like that sort of message, uh, if that makes sense. What I'm saying, yeah, yeah, no, for um, sure. And yeah, no, I don't, I, I don't think Lila literally was trying to say that. Hey, everybody, Rocket Raccoon's the main character of every movie. He wasn't right. trying to do that. But yeah, oh. Rocket, and, and don't forget, Rocket 
was it was only rocking a nebula for five years he found right. he found a family like the guardians and then they were gone except for nebula which i really right. love they, they played up that like there's it's subtle but there are moments where like when nebula finds out that rocket's gonna be okay and like just the pure relief she mm-hmm. had because mm-hmm. that they only had each other for for a long time right i mean like if you want to talk about characters who have come the farthest Oh, yeah. You have to talk about Nebula, um, I mean, because when we first meet her, she's just pure, purely cold-blooded, mm-hmm. like, and so yeah, it's, it's her having this, you know, vested interest in Rocket living, um, is is a side of her we've not really gotten to see previously of, of her caring. Yeah. Oh, she was and, on top of stuff. She was. I mean, I I call her the leader of the Guardians in this movie. Yeah, I think especially there at the beginning, um, because there's so you know, well, I mean, Quill's in such a state, you know, yeah. Rocket's kind of in a state. Groot's, you know, being a teenager or something. Well, yeah, I mean, Groot, Groot's past the teenage stage. Teenage state, teenage Groot was was Guardians too. Okay, when he's like talking back and stuff. Oh uh, yeah, Groot. Yeah, he's. <laughs> He's uh he's definitely uh sort of like young adult, but uh, I see your point. He's certainly not in charge. Mantis and Drax, they're not in charge of anything. Um, no. honestly, yeah. At the beginning, it's Rocket and Nebula kind of keeping everything together. Yeah, and then which is, a, which is a good continuation of the movies that that uh that he didn't make that James Gunn didn't make because. Mm-hmm. They're the two that were around and then kind of built this rapport and mm-hmm. have been working together. And they're still the two kind of making things happen. Yeah. And if anything, I would say that Rocket is is the leader. I mean, at the end, the movie even comes around with him being like, Rocket, you're the captain. So I'd say like, you know, it's Rocket and Nebula are, are the leaders of the Guardian, leaders of nowhere. It's supposed to be Quill, mm-hmm. but he can't you know, keep a drink out of his hand long enough to do anything productive. And then right. Rocket gets taken out of commission. So then it really just becomes, first of all, Quill's got to step up. And I, I don't know if you noticed, it's something I noticed. After Rocket gets hurt, Quill does not take another sip of alcohol Yeah. in this movie. He is, I mean, like he's distracted by Gamora, but for the most part, he is snapped out of it and he's focused. Right. Um, it's like it's it's something that gave him purpose again. Right. And and he could not lose his best friend. Oh god. Later when he thinks Rocket is dead and he's screaming. That might yeah. be the best acting Chris Pratt's ever done. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's it's heartbreaking because it's like, you know, that's all his life is is loss. Yeah, and, and I I thought Rocket was dead for a second, to be honest. Yeah. But I anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Dead at some point. They they were they almost killed everybody once. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, actually. Like really good stuff. Like at some point, I thought everybody was dead. Yeah, uh, I thought Groot died right at the beginning when he was just a head. <laughs> like I was like, oh my god, <laughs> right? Well, it was like he was just a head, and I was like, please don't do the thing that they did with uh, in Thor with uh, what is his name? Korg. Korg. Uh, where Korg was just ahead for a big chunk of the movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was worried he was going to have to go back to growing from the head. Right. Like, no, no, he's good. So, 
But yeah, so Adam Warlock attacks, which we find out, we find out more uh, backstory, like Adam Warlock and and the gold, the sovereign and stuff. They were made by the high evolutionary. And now Adam Warlock has been grown, but he's been taken out by the high evolutionary to go find Rocket Mm -hmm. um, to go get this, this brain, which also great character motivation great villain motivation there of like what's going on why is there why are they attacking the guardians because he wants rocket's brain i thought that was really really well written so adam warlock shows up in a great entrance i hope this is not how they do the flying for superman necessarily uh, because the zoom in on the face was a little goofy but it worked really well for this i think yeah i think so uh and then the music that was playing it, it was it was awesome so adam warlock comes in and just messes crap up like really establishes himself as a threat now i don't this wasn't my favorite portrayal of adam of what i would have wanted from an adam warlock portrayal but i think it does work in this movie yeah well that's something we talked about the other day one of the few things that we did actually get a chance to talk about was you know they teased adam warlock way back in the first movie and then teased him again in the second movie and and so we we had you had to do Adam Warlock in the third movie. You know, at that point, it's like a Chekhov's gun situation. Like you you keep talking about this thing, you got to do it. But I think by that point, James Gunn had really narrowed down to wanting to tell this really intimate story with his existing characters. And so we got Adam Warlock. We established the character, but we didn't let it become his movie. Because uh, yeah. I've seen a lot of complaint. I've seen a lot of people that are like, well, that's. You know, they didn't do, they introduced Adam Warlock and then just wasted him. And I'm like, I, I personally, I wanted Adam Warlock to remain somewhat a minimal part of this movie because I think if you make him too big, you take away from these really powerful moments with the other characters like Quill and Rocket and Nebula. That's a great point. I think it all worked out. And if we see the Guardians again, I think it works him being a part of the Guardians of the Galaxy. And since there's not like an infinity watch to be around with anymore, though, we did see was Star Fox, the name of the uh, of Harry Styles character in Eternals and, and Pip the Troll and stuff. So yeah. there are there is something set up there that Adam Warlock could become a part of. And and maybe that's where we'll see Guardians again is in the next Eternal if they make an Eternals movie or I don't know. There's a there's a lot of room left to go with that. But I thought they killed Adam Warlock in the first five minutes for a second when he gets stabbed. And and if you remember, my I had a I predicted he was gonna die, and mm-hmm. so I was like, "Oh my god, they did it! They killed him off!" But no, he got away. So yeah, then they go on this mission to, again, really well written motivation why everyone's doing everything they're doing. Now they're going on a mission to get the code to save Rocket. So let's talk a little bit about Gamora and and Peter. Hmm. I really loved the way they did this story. Yeah. Uh, James Gunn was written into a bit of a corner with all this and he had to make it work. And in the end, I think that it was a really beautiful story about these two characters and about Peter coming to terms with Gamora's death. Mantis was a really great character in this movie and she was genuinely like giving good advice Mm-hmm. which was amazing. Like like that whole, you're a frog hopping from woman to woman, hopping from lily pad uh-huh. to lily pad, but maybe you need to learn how to swim. 
That's actually really good advice. That's actually <laughs> yes. pretty good stuff. Yeah. And so him getting to talk to Gamora and getting to face these demons and work through that. And I, and I think that's kind of what it became like Peter knew at a certain point that this is not going to happen, but he mm-hmm. was helping him work through it. And then Gamora slowly realizing like, Oh God, he's, he's not lying. That other me really did fall in love with him. Mm-hmm. And I think, cause I, I genuinely think yeah. she thought he was exaggerating. Well, I think by the end she sees, because she, she has nothing like, no reason to see value in in Peter Quill, mm-hmm. mm. and I think by the end of the movie, she's seen value in him, not in the same way the other Gamora did, right? But she sees what it was that I think she sees what it was that a version of herself could have loved, it and also- he has the opportunity to to realize this isn't this isn't the person I fell in love with. She is, she's a different person. And honestly, even if she's the same person that he met, because she is, she's the person that he met there at the beginning, but he's a different person now. Like, and that's something about loving someone for a long time is you, you are not the same people that you were, you know, when you first started to love each other, you know, by the time, I mean, we've been married 15 years and in December and, you know, you grow and you change a lot in just that amount of time. And they've, they've been through a lot in these past couple of years. So, you know, he's really had to mature and and grow in some ways. Um, so you know, I, I really appreciated that they sort of left this like it was because so there was some kind of some complaints with Loki that came out. I was like, okay, great. And so now we're going to do because they did a very similar thing. They brought the same character back from the past, right, into the a, an, a, a, a younger version of the character into the, the current storyline. And it was like, okay, and all the emotional growth and, you know, there, there was a little bit of that going on. Um, and I, I, I don't completely buy into the complaint that some people have, but he's definitely not exactly the same person that we met yeah. in Avengers either. Um, and so I think I appreciate that they made her distinctly the way she was when we met her two movies ago, instead of trying to, because it would be very easy. She's the same character, right? Well, yeah. You well, know, to, to in writing her, to try and write her the way we last saw her instead of the way that she is in her timeline. Right. Well, and there are a lot of writers and directors out there that their first instinct would be to have them fall in love again. Yes, absolutely. We're just going to fix it. We're in, But it, right. it's like, because you can have it back now, right? But see, this is one of those things, like, I feel like James Gunn set a really, really interesting and good solid precedence for the MCU where we could very easily start seeing new versions of old characters and they don't have to be the same. The dynamics. Yes. Like, you know, we can get a black widow that doesn't have to be best friends with Hawkeye. So I was scared to death because I know a lot of people, a lot of writers, a lot of directors would have immediately gone for, we're going to put, Fans loved Gamora and 
Star-Lord together. So we're going to fix it. We're going to put it back together. And James Gunn didn't do that. Because and and it was going to be forced no if you did it. For There are no consequences when, when people die. Right. And those stories get... Well, that's the thing. is He maintained no the consequences of Gamora's death. Yes. He didn't just throw it away. Which she deserved. Right. Like, because that version of her is gone. She's not back. Another version of her is back. And, like, although it's clearly confusing for, for Peter, I think that the woman that he loves deserves to be mourned because she's gone. Yeah, um, so. yeah I think it would have really cheapened the love he had for the other Gamora. And yes. um, I think I think Peter himself would have realized that uh, mm -hmm. after after some time, you know, um, I wish Gamora the whole time I was kind of frustrated with Gamora because I was kind of like, oh, my God, like I get it. But like, can't you see that he's like, give give him a break. OK, you are physically the woman that he was in love with. But then I realized, you know, Gamora may not really believe him. Like, mm -hmm. I could see her, like, thinking he's exaggerating. And so, slowly over time, when, when they start to sort of rekindle the relationship and Gamora sees these, realizes that she could have these feelings for him, um, I think it all, it's all really, uh, was really well written. And then the way it ended was great. The way it ended mm -hmm. with just being like, you know, Gamora's going to go and she's going to go be with the Ravengers. Mm -hmm. But she can admit that maybe there was something there with peter and you know maybe one day maybe one day but right now it's it's just not gonna happen mm -hmm. but maybe one day so yeah that was great and that was really peter's story throughout this and then also just his determination to get to save his friend was mm -hmm. was really was really um really well written stuff as well i really liked peter and this really redeemed him and mm -hmm. obviously james gunn hated what they did with probably Peter specifically in Infinity War and Endgame, because there was that elevator scene, the scene in the elevator with Nebula, right. Gamora, and the hostage, where Peter just goes on this long rant, basically saying, which is which is James Gunn's way of saying, "I don't like what they did in Infinity War." Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's like, I almost destroyed the world because I'm an idiot. Uh, and then Gamora died, and now she's back. I don't know why space magic. I don't know. And and that was wonderful. That was great because it was clearly what James was trying to say, but also I very much in character. Mm -hmm. Well, it also leads me in. Oh, sorry, go ahead. It just it acknowledges the absurdity of the situation, which sometimes you have to do when it's absurd. Yeah, the necessity of the situation. They also get the you got the air out of little grievances, got to um, bring up something that everyone's been thinking of. Why was Peter such an idiot? Uh, mm -hmm. It was great, but that leads me to in this same uh, elevator scene uh, that took place in the big, gross, fleshy space station, yeah. and that's where bad. Nathan Fillion had his role. Yeah. Which yeah. I think was a sad admit of defeat to say, all right, Nathan, I've been trying to make them make you Wonder Man. They're not going to do it. This is the last one I'm doing. Just be this guy. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then there was a second where I thought 
that Nathan Fillion killed Drax. And I was going to be like, holy crap, is Nathan Fillion's legacy in the MCU going to be the one <laughs> killed Drax? Wow. Yeah. So what do you yeah, think of was... Nathan Fillion's cameo, Andrew? Because I know you're a huge well, I, Nathan Fillion. I, I mean, I thought he was good in the cameo. I just, it's disappointing that that's probably an acknowledgement that we're never getting Nathan Fillion in a bigger role in the MCU. Um, it's kind of like getting um, Bruce Campbell as the pizza papa. It's, uh, it's we're just kind of, we're putting this guy in, we're putting you in there because we're just admitting at this point that this is it. This is, this is what you're going to be in this, in this franchise. Mm -hmm. And also he's going to DC. And so it's also possible that that was his moment of, and now he's mine, <laughs> you know? I mean, maybe he's, maybe he does get to be booster gold, booster gold after all. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's just that James Gunn went ahead and, and did that, and it's like, yeah, now we're going to... Although he already played a character in uh, DC as well. Yeah, he was uh, he was uh, the, de the detachable kid. Oh, I, I Arm fall-off boy in Suicide Squad. But I don't know. It's such a mess over there already. Although, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we still don't know what the continuity is over there. So, who knows? I, I enjoyed seeing Nathan Fillion in it. I thought he was great. But like, yeah, I, I was a little disappointed. I, I've been rooting for Nathan Fillion to land a, a big MCU role for over 10 years now. So, yeah, it was a little bit of a defeat. But I, I, I think that he was still good in, in what he got to do. He was freaking hilarious. That guy that he, he is like guy who's working with. He, just, <laughs> he kept dogging on. Yeah. And then, and then Peter's like, uh, he, he's an idiot. And it's like, yeah, I got one I'll of those. One yeah. <laughs> and then he brings it up later, that interrogation scene where it's like Adam, uh, Adam does something really stupid. And he looks at Adam's mom and is like, oh, an idiot. Yeah. I got one of those too. I totally right. get it. Like, <laughs> so freaking funny, dude. Yeah. That's great. Absolute standout. Yeah. And it made me very happy to see him. It made my fiance Maddie very happy because she is a big fan of the show The Rookie. Yeah. Which okay. I don't know if y'all have watched any of that. I like The Rookie. It's actually pretty good. I kind of like yeah. it a lot. Don't watch uh, the spinoff. The spinoff is absolutely awful. What's the spinoff? The Rookie Feds, where it's like uh, a follow on an FBI agent. It's no so it's so bad. Is Nathan um, Fillion in it? He See, pops up in a uh, help us save this season cameo role occasionally. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I'm like help us save our ratings. You know, but, the, the thing is, like, the rookie wouldn't be anything to write home about if Nathan Fillion weren't in it. No, I said no, what I he, said. he carries the show. So, like, that's the thing. It's like, oh, let's make exactly the same show without Nathan Fillion. Like, well, that's not oh, going to work. Every not other unless you go get Alan Tudyk or um, Gina Torres. That's what, yeah, know. yeah. It should have been Alan Tudyk. Should have uh, should have been in the rookie feds. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> uh, God, in my dream world, Alan Tudyk is Blue Beetle, and Nathan Fillion is Booster Gold. Yeah, uh, would they been... acted? They acted like they were making it. I don't know what happened to it, but it would have been amazing. Yeah, but anyway. Uh, Back to Guardians. What other characters do we need to um, 
discuss or what what's the next thing we need to discuss about this movie who there's again there's there's so much you can unpack i think i think drax who has been the the butt of the jokes and the comic relief for three movies um gets a a really really fantastic ending he Uh, does and in most of the movie he's still just the comedic uh relief until the very end and it's interesting because it's kind of like he's the comedic relief because that's all anybody sees him as. That's that's all the other guardians see him as. Yeah. And it's like they don't take him seriously. And it's like when they finally take him seriously, we get to have a serious ending for him. You know, because we kind of gloss over like his story is the loss of his wife and child. And it's, mm-hmm. it's his own tragedy. And we we never dig into his brokenness. Yeah, You kind of forget about it, to be honest. Yeah. We kind yeah, of forget we, that, we like, oh, yeah. We never saw any flashbacks or anything for him. And he never really, you know, after that first movie, he doesn't really, it doesn't come up much. Like, it's always at the forefront because Thanos is the main villain that, you know, Gamora has history with Thanos. And, you know, a lot of the other character's trauma is a little more of a story point but Drax just kind of gets lost yeah uh it only comes up very rarely you know I you know I've seen a lot of Guardians of Galaxy 2 hate on Twitter recently and I know that's not the consensus it's just for some reason that's what I'm seeing and I think about that scene with um in Guardians of Galaxy 2 where Drax and Mantis are talking about Drax's family and he's sitting there all stoic and mantis puts her hand on his shoulder and just overwhelmed with tears right how can you watch that scene and not think that movie's amazing it's it's one of the best scenes in that movie and that's a movie that when it first came out i was a little let down by it but after coming back and re-watching it recently i appreciate stuff like that a lot more like that is a really really great scene it's one of the best scenes in that movie. You know, I had issues with the movie where I felt like they got a little carried away with stepping on serious moments with jokes. Yeah. Uh, and and what, with not just stepping on the moment, but I didn't feel like the jokes were working. But having rewatched it right before we watched Guardians 3, while I still don't think some of those jokes land... I, I didn't feel like they stepped on the moments as badly as I originally thought they did. Yeah, I definitely think it's the least funny Guardians movie. Guardians 1 and, and this movie, Guardians 3, were both hilarious. I think yeah. that the I think the timing of the jokes in Guardians 3 are much better. Yeah. It, it, it is on point. There are very, very, very funny scenes, but they never interrupt anything super serious that's happening right and they don't treat these characters like jokes Mm -hmm. they're all charming like witty people but they don't treat each other like jokes unless it's like nebula making fun of peter but it it just really really works all in character but uh you know we we finally get to see like, like, like we were saying, Drax is the butt of all the jokes. But when we see Drax start interacting with the children is when we finally see Drax as something other than a joke. Yeah. 
And it makes and perfect sense. It's also thing you think about, but it, it mm-hmm. you're right, right. Uh, I'm sorry, Marisha, what'd you say? I said we remember that he's a father. And and by all accounts was a really good father. Mm-hmm. Like he loved his his daughter very, very much. And you remember, like, oh yeah. And that, it's a beautiful scene that Nebula says to him, like, you're not Drax the destroyer, you're Drax the father. That was that was that was lovely. Because also, yeah, you know, Drax has not been the most effective fighter, actually. Right. And, and even in the Guardians movies itself, like he's he's good, he's strong, but he's really not a destroyer, is he? He's yeah. been more of a goofball. Mm-hmm. And that actually kind of really makes sense and works. And his destiny is to be a father and to raise help raise these kids and start this this new mm-hmm. home for him. I really like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, like, Drax has always just kind of been silly. Like, when I think about Drax, like, the first thing that usually comes to mind, before this movie, the first thing that always came to mind was uh, him eating chips very slowly so they can't be seen. (laughs) What was the thing he ate? It was some sort of nut that he ate in this movie. He, like, offered it to Peter, but not to Mantis or something. Right. And he's like, they're all gone. And then he just is still eating them. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Such great moments. I feel like the uh, the holiday special did kind of elevated Mantis and Drax to be a little bit less comedic and a little bit. It did, but it actually leads to one of my only gripes is we didn't really get the Mantis and Peter relationship that I thought we were going to get. Uh, following the holiday special, but it did do a lot to Mantis doesn't have a huge part in Guardians 2. And so that making her the main character of that holiday special Uh goes a really long way towards, you know, increasing her status and making her feel like a a main character for the series. Right. And she was, she had a lot to do in this movie. Yeah, she did. And and I agree. There's that one scene where Peter, where they'd like, Peter, you should go home. And Peter says like, you're my sister, the only family I need. That was sweet. But then they never bring it up again. Right. Right. I was hoping that Mantis was going to go with him back to earth. And he was like, I thought that's what was going to happen was he was going to go back to earth and he was going to introduce his grandpa to his sister. And they were going to be like a family. That's what I thought was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, and it could. I mean, they could still do that eventually. I mean, you know, Palm Clementif has been in the MCU a lot less than all the other characters here. Mm -hmm. She's been used a lot less. Uh, But I think fans do seem to like the character. And who knows what kind of mission they just sent her off on because she's got three abelisks. They can travel the multiverse. Yeah. So... You know, who knows? I mean, it may be that Peter's next adventure is her showing up on Earth and saying, you know, having a Doc Brown moment, you know, shows up and says, we got to (laughs) go. Yeah, (laughs) that makes perfect sense, actually. That'd be really cool. Uh, So let's talk about Counter-Earth. I know we're coming up on our our hour. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about Counter-Earth. So, yeah, I mean, we hadn't even talked about the villain at all, and he's a great, great villain. Do you guys... So Counter-Earth is a concept in the comic books. And do you guys know about this show called Spider-Man Unlimited? No. It is a cartoon show from the early 2000s after the 90s one ended. They made this new show called Spider-Man Unlimited where Peter 
goes to counter earth okay. and like deal, deals with like the and, and, and is in the middle of a war where the humans are oppressed by the animal people and he ends up joining like in the revolutionary war against them and stuff like it's crazy it's insane you might have seen the suit before it's it's like a blue and red it's like almost like a spider-man 2099 suit it is a weird freaking show nobody it had like 14 episodes and it got canceled nobody knows why they made it it is bizarre <laughs> i never expected counter earth to be a plot point in a marvel movie yeah but that was freaking amazing that it was and yeah the villain was fantastic why don't you guys talk i know i've been talking a lot so y'all yeah, talk a little yeah. bit about the high evolutionary uh so I thought he was a really great villain. Uh, obviously, one of the biggest god complexes of any characters, any of the villains we've seen in the MCU. And I mean, pretty much to the point where he says there is no god, so I'm going to do it. I don't even know. I don't even know where to start with the character. <laughs> I just I thought that the character was portrayed really, really well. Like we didn't do this game of trying to make. The, we didn't do anything to try to make the audience sympathetic mm -hmm. to this towards this character. Mm -hmm. Like, he's just terrible. Like, he, yeah. he kills, like, I mean, it's kind of glossed over because we don't see it, but, like, he is he has committed genocide. We don't even know how many times he's committed genocide. He creates, we don't know how many people are on that planet. Right. He creates these worlds, and in his own flawed self creates flawed worlds and flawed races. Mm -hmm. And then when they're not what he wants, he just wipes them out. And we don't, like I said, we don't know how many times he's done it. Yeah. yeah um, and you know, uh, everyone's kind of brought this up. Um, animals, animal cruelty, anything, any harm against animals is bound to affect most people. Like, it gets you. I don't know what the psychological reason is why I can handle watching a million humanoids get their heads blown off in these movies and it's not a problem for me, but seeing one raccoon get punched kills me on in the inside. I don't know why. I don't know. I'm not a psychologist. All I know was it was sad and I didn't like it. But like it made me just like really hate the villain. It made me really sad and emotional. But I I think they were great scenes and setting up this villainy of like this treat. He, he created, he took these innocent animals, made them sentient, made them feel pain like that. And then it's just going to kill them. I think it's that same kind of, it's, it, it's that feeling of it's innocence. Like, yeah, it's like hurting a child. It's like, it didn't do anything to you. It's wrong. Um, and I think that's the same kind of feeling that we get. They're just so oh. cute, though. They're so cutesy. They're such mm -hmm. cute little dudes. Just mm -hmm. a bunch of cute little dudes. I don't want to see them hurt. Teeth is my favorite Marvel character of all time. <laughs> I've been quoting it. Like, I've been walking around nonstop being like, I shall be Teeths. Because even though we all possess them, mine are certainly the most prominent. Like, I've been saying that over and over. It sounds like freaking Ringo Starr uses him. I love it. <laughs> but yeah, his whole little friendship and then High Evolutionary killing them. And you're right, just God complex and the pure hubris. He gets his face ripped off because he's just so overly confident that he thinks he can't even comprehend the fact that this little creature might hurt him, which sets up why he goes and, and gives himself these like gravity powers for later in the movie, because he realizes that, oh, crap, I can be attacked. That was really, really great. 
and that was vicious. Oh, Rocket snapping like that, and just and when we saw his, and Andrew, you predicted that his face was going to get ripped off. <laughs> they kept saying face okay. off. Yeah, that was I was not expecting it for it to be that like horrifying. Yeah, there were a couple moments with stuff like that. It was like, oh my god, this is a Marvel movie. Yeah, it was it was dark. But yeah, it's it's this um, this whole thing with the with the high evolutionary where just the existence of rocket makes him so angry it's it's this because rocket saw in his experiments what he couldn't and he sees rocket as an abomination mm-hmm. but rocket did what he couldn't do mm-hmm. and it and it makes him so angry and we have this whole stretch of time however long it's been since rocket left escaped that he hasn't still hasn't been able to perfect mm-hmm. his his uh ability to create the perfect race yeah right that's what he said the the sovereign were right so mm-hmm. it does beg the question though how long have they been at this like you get the feeling that the sovereign have something of a long-running society yeah no i mean that's the thing is like clearly this character has been around that's why i'm saying we don't know how many times he has created a civilization and then wiped it out we don't even know what he is is he some sort of celestial in the same way ego was where like he changed his his form uh or is he just Mm -hmm. a powerful alien i don't know they did james gunn confirmed he's alive uh okay he gets carried off of the ship and apparently someone like zoomed in and i think this is just bad filmmaking i mean i hate to say that actually because it's all great filmmaking but like if you zoom in really closely in one of the shots, you can see Drax carrying him off of, of the ship before it explodes. Okay. But like, why wasn't that just in the movie? I don't understand. Right. Uh, but James Gunn said he is alive. So, and he's in a cell in nowhere. Okay. So that's interesting. That's fun. Yeah. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if they ever do anything with that character again. I have seen some people pushing for him to be, want him to be some sort of Kang variant, depending on where this whole other thing <laughs> yeah. goes. And then just just make the other Kang variants now for, look like, just be <laughs> that actor. Right. Yeah, I still don't know what they're going to do there. But, but yeah, I mean, I think this is, you know, having a strong villain. I mean, you sort of have a villain in this movie with all of the characters just having to under to 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 overcome their own mm-hmm. their own problems but you really get one of the best villains we've had in the MCU yeah and and again like i appreciate it when you just let a villain be a villain um james gunn has done that maybe more consistently than anyone else in the MCU uh, because yeah. ego is the same thing. There's nothing. Or Ronan. Yeah. There, none of James yeah. Gunn's villains have any sympathetic elements to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that's, that's sort of missing um, in a lot of, not not just talking about the MCU. Hey, the MCU has done things to try to do things like make Thanos a sympathetic villain, right? Or at least, or at least, make you understand his mo that he has, or try to say, oh, but his motives are good. I, I feel like James Gunn has done a really, really, you know, looking back across the three films, James Gunn has done an excellent job with villains. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ronan's a little one-dimensional. Yeah. 
but he was good for that movie. He was good for an introduction to the characters. Um, but I feel like James Gunn's villains have gotten more complex as we've gone. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's a good example of your villains don't have to be um, like you can just, you you know, Hitler was a person with with dimensions, but also a bad person. And I think he's done a good job kind of with that. It's like, yes, you can understand they have motivations Their motivations to just cr- destroy everything just to do it. But they're still fundamentally bad, bad people. Yeah. Well, I mean, one thing we never got into with the villain that I wish we had was exactly what his, I mean, obviously his motivation is to create a perfect being. Mm-hmm. But why? Why, what is, why is he obsessed with the idea? I don't know, make himself a new body? That's typically the motivation for those kinds of characters in science fiction. I mean, maybe, but he also, like, has apparently been around a while. He took an interest in Earth. Um, what does he know about Celestials? Like, what is his real end game? There's a bunch of unanswered questions about him, but I think that's okay. And yeah, we might see him again. Uh, we might see his, his character come up again. I, I think that it's possible or not, and I honestly would be okay with that. But yeah, no, he was a great villain, for sure. What other ask? I'm trying to think of what 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 I want to talk about next. I know we're getting towards the end. Um, did you guys have any flaws with the movie that you want to talk about? Anything that you did that they didn't quite click with you or that you didn't quite like? Oh wait, before that, uh, shout out to the uh, storyline of Cosmo and um, and oh and Craglin. Yes, that yeah, was the good dog. Yes, oh <laughs> one of the gosh. best payoffs. Absolutely. To any story in the MCU, it's yeah. just him being like, she's a good dog. And then mm-hmm. smashing. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah. That was yeah. awesome. Um, both of them, they both, I mean, for, for minor characters, uh-huh. they get really great moments. Uh, you know, Craglin yeah. finally gets to use, he learns to use the arrow. And, and then at the end, he's now officially part of the Guardians. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, he was all, he was already kind of a, part of the guardians but now he's like he's wearing the suit he's on the team he's on mm-hmm. missions he's in the yep. guardians they they've definitely got a uh merry band of misfits over there huh yeah they've got they've got their their gold demigod with the emotional maturity of a 12 year old <laughs> and they've got a raccoon they've got craglin who's a bit of a disaster and mantis who's no, I guess not Mantis, uh, Nebula, um, who's just kind of like Napalm. Well, Nebula stayed on nowhere. Yeah, ne- Nebula. And, Nebula's uh, not yeah, with the. She's not with the Guardians. Nebula and Drax are not part of. Oh, her. it's a little girl. Yeah. Yeah. Who who mm-hmm. is a comic book character, but I don't even remember who. It's not really important. Uh, unless they come up again, then it will be. Was that an end credit scene? But I don't remember. Was that just at the end of the movie, or was that the first end credit scene? I think that was the first end credit scene. Yeah, I can't remember. I think it was like the 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 new the guardians. Scene, I think. Mid, yeah, the new guardians. Yeah, I think that was the first end credit scene. Um, I know there were two. So yeah. No, I loved the new team. Uh, we got like freaking god level Groot over there. Yeah, uh, King Groot or whatever. That was awesome. I was like, yeah. "Where is Groot? Is Groot just gonna stay on nowhere?" No, he's the <laughs> freaking boulder. That was great. Yeah, I liked that. 
yeah, so the new team, Cosmo, Rocket, uh, Adam Warlock, Kraglin, Groot, and uh, that little girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool team. I like it. I hope we at least see Adam Warlock again because I think he still has room to grow. Yeah. If we yeah. never saw Rocket again, I, I think I'd be okay. If we never saw Rocket again, I'd be happy knowing that he's out there. He has his family, helping people. He's wrapped up his past. He's 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 handled the majority of his demons, at least. He's found some closure and can move on. That was such a great scene where he um he goes and he finds the little raccoons. Finally confirming that he is indeed a raccoon. <laughs> right. Denying it. And now evolutionary comes to him and he says the name's Rocket. Rocket Raccoon. Yeah. Oh, oh dude. another thing that should be mentioned is did uh did Guardians of the Galaxy three put an end to the conversation of greatest hallway fight of all time? Oh my gosh, that was so. so with Beastie Boys, we were just talking about with Beastie, Beastie Boys. Boys yeah, yeah. Uh, that was fantastic. That was really, really, really cool. That was one of the best fight scenes in any Marvel movie. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was great. Have you have you seen the Mario movie yet? No, but I'm not worried about spoilers. Okay. So, because we watched that before, we watched both movies the same day. Okay. Uh, we drove down to Baton Rouge and watched both movies back to back. And uh, that same song, so it's another Chris Pratt movie, and they had the same Beastie Boys song Seriously? in both movies. That's hilarious. That's really funny, actually. That's great. No, that was but, a fantastic scene. But I mean, I think that this whole thing, like you can sum this whole movie up, you know, the character arcs, when when Rocket turns around and says, I'm not running anymore. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not that Rocket runs from a fight. It's that Rocket's been running from who he is. Uh, so has everybody else. Every one of our our beloved misfits that are the guardians of the galaxy has been running from something. Yeah. Another um, great well, end to that, to all the arcs is when he could kill high evolutionary and they go, you're going to do it. And he goes, no, cause I'm a guardian of the freaking galaxy. <laughs> and I think, that, I think that they've incorporated that guardian of the freaking galaxy into every, into every movie. Yeah, which is a great ongoing thing they're doing there. I I love that. And every time it has a different meaning. Yeah. Uh, So that was, yeah, that was really, really, really great writing, really great stuff. And and, and Rocket, like, we got to save all the animals. So now nowhere is just a zoo. Mm -hmm. Hilarious. Really great stuff. I did get a huge laugh out of the... Uh, I guess it's the last end credit scene. Is that where Peter is eating cereal? Yeah. Because it's the only other time that everything fades to black and we can still hear anything is when Endgame fades to black and we hear Tony's hammer. And so (laughs) as sort of the silly response to that, James Gunn just has the clank of Peter's Mm -hmm. spoon as he's eating cereal. And and that, that just killed me. That was a weird in credit scene for me though. Because I, I it ended and I was like, what was the point of that? Yeah. And I, I, I what? 
I was going to say, I don't know that there was a whole lot of point to it. I mean, James Gunn's in credit scenes have kind of been that way. I mean, we had Howard the Duck for one of them, right? That's true. But at least that had Howard and the Duck, Howard the Duck in it. This was just like, okay, so we saw he reunited with his with his grandpa, and now we see him eating cereal. And the conversation is, he's going to cut their neighbor's yard because her son is lazy. That was the conversation, right? right? I mean, it, but it's such a normal thing. It's such a normal conversation that you sit around and have when you live with your parents or your grandparents. Yeah. So like, you just sit around and eat cereal and do normal things. That's actually a really great point when you put it that way, especially when the next frame is the legendary Star-Lord will return. Mm-hmm. And what right. we just saw him doing was eating cereal and talking about cutting grass. Yeah, I mean, you can still hear him eating cereal yeah, that's while that's on screen. That's, that's a really, that's a, you know what, Marisha, you sold me on it. Now that you put it that way, that's that's the point of it, is to show that he's having a mundane life, the life he would have had as a teenager if he hadn't left Earth. And I saw a theory that like we were supposed to actually see um, their neighbor's son, and it was going to be a Kang variant, but then they had to cut that because of the Jonathan Major stuff. I don't think that that's the case. I, I think it's what you said, Marisha, where let's see him doing the most mundane thing he can, which is just... Awesome. I think the neighbor, I think the lazy neighbor should be uh, Evan Peters' character yes. from WandaVision. Yeah. <laughs> Ralph. Ralph. Yeah. Although although I'm still holding out some hope. I mean, Evan Peters is coming back for Daredevil. So You mean Deadpool? Uh, I mean, yeah, for Deadpool. So as, as Deadpool transitions to the MCU, maybe we get a Quicksilver back in the MCU. Mm-hmm. That'd be so dope. Yes, we'll see. So yeah, um, I think I'm sure we could keep going. Yeah, and, and it may be that we decide to revisit some of these character arcs individually later, but uh, I think that's as good a place as any to wrap up the conversation. Yeah, I know we were we had some other topics we could potentially talk about tonight, but believe it or not, <laughs> we managed to fill the time. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean we'll 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 come back. We'll have some stuff to talk about next week. I will say. You know, it won't be May. It won't be May twenty fifth when you listen to it. But it's Happy Star Wars Day and Happy Towel Day. Yes. If you're a um, don't uh, hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, I have a big announcement. I what? started watching the Orville. Sweet. Oh. What do you think? It is fantastic. See. It is so <laughs> funny, but also like. So good. And Seth MacFarlane's an underrated actor, which I never oh, thought 100%. I'd ever say. I never thought yeah. I'd ever say that sentence. But no, like, I never did until I watched fantastic. that show. He's he's good. He would I could I could genuinely see him as just a character in Star Trek. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, no, that show's great. So maybe next week I'll give a bit of a report on that as I get further into it. Um but everyone's great. Uh yeah, I I'm liking it a lot. Yeah, I'm how glad far, how far into it are you? Uh, two episodes. Okay, so maybe by next week we can have a uh, we will have a conversation about yeah uh, how about what about the Orville. Yeah, I'm a few more. I'm a few. Uh, I'll be a few more. A few okay. episodes. Well, I'll, I'll rewatch the first few episodes as well. So awesome uh, that I can remember what we're talking about. Awesome, awesome. All right. Well, yeah. Unless there's anything else we need to bring up here tonight, guys. Where can people find you on the internet? 
All right. Well, Marisha had to uh, step out of the room for a moment. So I will okay. tell you that you can find Marisha at Fee Padawans on Twitter, or you can always just send Marisha a message at uh, at Sa underscore Fictionary on Twitter, and I will make sure that she gets it. But uh, you can find me running the Twitter account at Sa underscore Fictionary. You can find me hosting the other podcast, Coruscant Radio Underground. You can, of course, find both of our shows doing more and more content over on the YouTube side of things. Both shows are on the Science Fictionary YouTube channel. Um, and you can find me, you can find us, you can find all of the rest of the Red 5 podcast family at Red 5 Network on Twitter. And I am David. You can find me at David underscore JG Peoples on Twitter. Guys, thank you so very much for listening and indulging us in our conversation about a movie that at this point came out weeks ago. Thank you for letting us do that to your ears. I really appreciate it. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to leave us a like, a subscribe, a comment, a review, a rating, whatever it is you can do in your preferred podcast platform. It really helps out the show. With that being said, open the door. I can, I can, I can do another one. Or you can bleep me. You want to bleep me?